You're listening to Radio 1190, 1190 AM, Boulder, Denver, 98.9 FM in the Boulder Valley. Uh, my name is Lucy. I am your news director. We're interrupting your regularly scheduled programming uh, to bring to you an interview from uh, the College of Music. They've been doing um, these concert series uh, of student composers, the Pendulum New Music uh, concert series. Uh, right now it's in, in its 18th season. Um, there's one, I believe, every week or so. Um, and we're just helping to kind of get the word out because these are students who've worked really, really hard on, um, on their music and on getting to where they are. Uh, so today I have with me uh, Brian Lampert. Uh, he is getting his bachelor's in composition and economics, uh, and he plays the soprano saxophone, uh, which I didn't even realize was an instrument. So we're going to talk about that. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Lucy. It's really great to be here. So um, can you... First of all, soprano saxophone. Usually people think of an alto saxophone, a tenor saxophone. Um, I see it in the studio. It looks interesting to me. It looks like a very long trumpet. Can you kind of explain a little bit more of um, where, where and how it's used uh, and why you decided on this instrument? Absolutely. So um, like most uh, other saxophonists, I actually began my studies on the alto saxophone. And then over time, I sort of branched out to the different saxophones. Uh, usually in, within a, a concert band, you have a soprano, alto, tenor, and a baritone saxophone, um, going from high to low. Um, but soprano is relatively rare um, in, the, in the standard repertoire. Um, it's used in a, a few different orchestral pieces, uh, most notably like Ravel's Bolero piece. Um, and uh, of course, it's all over jazz. Um, John Coltrane has a really great recording of uh, my favorite things on the soprano saxophone. Um, and yeah, so it you know it's just like all the other saxophones. It's a conical bore instrument, um, and uh, um, yeah, it functions. Uh, you know, I, I don't have to change a lot of the way that I uh, move my fingers on the soprano saxophone relative to other saxophones. So. It's really interesting. And so um, is this your primary instrument of choice, uh, both for playing and for composing? Well, um, it's funny that you ask that. Yeah, I think the soprano saxophone, like, you know, each saxophone, um, I approach each saxophone kind of when I'm in a different mood. So like when in the, with the tenor saxophone, I come at it with just a lot of like, um, I don't know, like if I'm feeling angsty or something like that. Um, with the alto saxophone, it's more of like a purity. It like if you're feeling like just hyped up and I don't know. But with the with the soprano saxophone, it's kind of feisty and it has its own kind of energy that I can only get on this instrument. I can't get it on the other saxophones. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily always call it my primary because I'm playing nonstop on like all of the saxophones, but the soprano really has a unique voice that I tend to harness a lot in my composition. And so you are performing uh, one or more of your compositions at um, one of these Pendulum concert series, if I understand correctly, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So um, I wrote a piece, and I'm also going to be performing on it um, for our, our April 10th uh, Pendulum concert. And. When we repodcast this, uh, folks, we'll have all of that information in the description of the SoundCloud link, um, so you can you can see the date, time, and location of all of that. Um, but 
there's also the website uh, colorado.edu slash pendulum dash new dash music where you can find um, all of the con uh, the concerts as well um, and I see that you have uh, a composition in front of you Brian is this one of the ones that you're gonna be playing on the 10th yes this is the piece that I'll be playing on the 10th um, it's called spies come in fives and uh, it's actually kind of a departure from um, from some of the music that I've been writing um, uh, May I go into kind of the process? Please do. Absolutely. So this piece actually started as um, an assignment for my jazz theory class uh, last semester with Paul McKee, who's a really amazing uh, trombonist and and teacher as well. Um, but you know, at the end of last semester, um, it was basically like it was a free assignment. He said basically, you know, you've learned all this stuff about jazz now harness it to your best ability and make something really cool. And uh, so I came out with this piece called Spies Come in Fives. Um, and the, the premise of the piece, um, it's kind of inspired by all of those like um, early, uh, you know, all those like 60s spy TV shows and, and movies and things like that. So um, for instance, like uh, Monty Norman's James Bond theme um, is kind of prominent in it. But um, it, the reason it's called Spies Come in Fives is because uh, the middle section is in um, a 5-8 meter, which is like, um, if I, I could just sing it, it's like uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, which is kind of an uncommon meter. But this meter is also shared by uh, the Mission Impossible theme by Lalo Schifrin, um, which came out in 1967. And uh, the Mission Impossible theme, of course, is it goes like dun, 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 right? Um, it's also in that 5.8 um, five or 5.4 uh, metric pattern. Um, and uh, what's really funny about the Mission Impossible theme is it actually, uh, Lalo Schifrin, in his compositional process, he began with the Morse code for uh, the letters M-I, like for Mission Impossible. So um, the Morse code for that is two dashes and then two dots. So it's literally da 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 da, <laughs> which um, he then you know made into that theme that we all kind of recognize. Um, and then some of the other influences are like um, the Incredibles soundtrack, which really pulls from that whole genre. Um, but yeah, what I like about that that whole um, area of music is it's very distinctive. Like all of the like. As soon as you hear like um, you know the like the James Bond theme, uh, you know, or, or like the Incredibles theme, like ba da ba ba da, you know, you know, automatically your, your mind is like shifted to that era and those like stories about spies and and all that. So, no, I think that's fascinating, and especially the part about uh, Morse code for MI. I don't think. I know I didn't know that. I know a lot of people, not a lot of other people do know it. Um, so you learn something new every day, and there's a little Easter egg everywhere. Um, is there some part of uh, of Spies Coming Fives that you'd like to play for us to preview the April 10th concert? Sure, yeah. I'll play just like the main melody on soprano saxophone. It's going to be a lot different in concert because the piece is actually for a full... Um, a full like jazz combo ensemble so we get we have multiple horns and a rhythm section and all that but I'll just play yeah I'll just play the uh, main melody for you okay. <laughs> 
That's so fun. I, I could totally have seen that uh, in the opening credits of a movie. Um, I, I love it. Uh, folks are going to definitely have a good time at the April 10th concert. And I think it's interesting, too. Um, you're really actually quite great about kind of communicating about your music. Um, how... I feel like nowadays sometimes people don't feel connected with classical music as much or jazz music. Um, and kind of what's your take on that and how do you maybe um, do your own work to make people connect? Absolutely. So um, you really hit it on the head. Like communication is, um, I think, the most important thing. And of course, I brought in a jazz piece, but, um, you know, uh, most of the, of the pieces that you'll be hearing on the Pendulum concert um, and all throughout the series are, are all these kind of contemporary classical works where, you know, if, if you go in there expecting Mozart, like, it's totally not that, you know, like, there's all kinds of crazy extended techniques and, and things that, um, you know, you might not hear in like a, like a Katy Perry album or like, you know, like, uh, um, you know, in, in pop music. Um, even though I think, I think pop music is getting more and more nuanced in, in what they're using and what they're choosing as their influences. But um, yeah, I think communication is really important. You'll hear all of the composers on Pendulum speak, you know, for a couple minutes about their music before it's played. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, I think it's really important to communicate your vision um, as, you know, for composers to communicate their vision clearly. Um, because sometimes, you know, you'll play a piece and, and people might connect with it, they might not, but having some of the background context can, can help with that. Um, and I think as listeners, um, there's no excuse not to, not to start getting into classical music. You know, th there's so many like, uh, like I'm amazed every day at like the Spotify playlists, you know, that come out that are like, you know, there's like, um, like I came across one that was like, um, like queer composers. And I'm like, wow, that's like a really specific, you know, like area, but it's there, it's out there, you know? Um, so I think, and, and it's, it's really wonderful. You know, people say like audiences don't have the tolerance for, for the length of the pieces or whatever, but you know, you go back in time, audiences back then, you know, like the early concertos were really short, you know, they were, they were fairly short. And, um, but I think little by little, like if you just listen to, um, to something every day, you know, whether it's a symphony or just like a movement from a piano sonata, like you'll really be surprised as a listener what you'll connect with. And um, you'll realize like, these composers are not, uh, you know, these composers like Mozart and Beethoven were, are not like these monolithic figures, like the way that we view them in in, in popular culture. You know, like they're they're humans just like us, and they have they're trying to express their own feelings. And most of them were dirt poor too. <laughs> um, that's something that hasn't really changed across, you know, the art world. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think just finding ways to develop your own personal taste in classical music and connect with those artists is really valuable for all listeners, anybody with two ears. You can do that in Boulder on April 10th. Uh, 
I've been speaking with Brian Lampert. Uh, he is an undergraduate student here at CU in the College of Music. Uh, he is going to be performing as part of the college's uh, Pendulum Music Concert Series. Um, his concert will be April 10th, uh, which is just about a week from now, and I will have more details in the SoundCloud description link um, for this little interview, which shall be going up later today. Thank you so much for joining me, Brian. Thank you, Lucy. It's really been a pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for letting us interrupt your regularly scheduled programming. Uh, we appreciate you paying attention to the community. I think there's a lot that happens on CU's campus that um, you don't, I, I don't even know about. And I'm news director, and that's my job. And I, I find out about so many things, and yet there's always something new to find. So uh, check out the Pendulum series. Uh, these students really have worked very hard on their compositions. Um, and maybe you'll, uh, you can say, hey, I saw that kid when he was just rising and now he's on the national stage, you know? So check him out. Um, again, we'll put that on our SoundCloud. It's just uh, soundcloud.com slash radio dash 1190 uh, later today. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. Enjoy your Tuesday. My name is Lucy. I'm your news director, and you are listening to Radio 1190, 1190 AM in Denver, Boulder, and 98.9 FM in the Boulder Valley. <laughs>